When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this episode comes from SaneBox. If you suffer from a flooded email the way I do, SaneBox is your cure. To put it simply, SaneBox helps you take back your sanity and actually get important stuff done. Try SaneBox for free and get a $20 credit towards your membership by heading to www.sanebox.com slash tiny leaps. In this episode, I speak with Laura Coe about emotional obesity. Get ready to step on the scale because you are now listening to Tiny Leaps. Big changes. Welcome to another episode of Tiny Leaps. Big changes where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and in this episode, I speak with Laura Co. Now, Laura was the co-founder of Litholink Corporation, a healthcare company that served 350,000 or over 350,000 patients worldwide. But as she puts it in her own words, she found herself 30,000 feet in the air with tears running down her cheek. So in this episode, we're going to talk about her concept of emotional obesity, what that means, how you can think about it in your own life, how you can apply it to pursuing things that you care about rather than things that you feel you're meant to do. We're also going to dive into just how she found herself 30,000 feet in the air with tears running down her cheek and why, even though she was living a life that to the outside world may have seemed like the greatest success imaginable, especially in America, she just wasn't happy. And then we're going to jump into her podcast and just a million other things. So Laura, I don't want to keep this going any longer. I'm so pumped to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. And I I really look forward to the next 40 or so minutes. Really happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. So uh, let's let's start it off a little light. We'll we'll deal with the present for now. Uh, What is it that you currently do? How do you identify yourself? (laughs) That's a great question because I... I used to be able to say entrepreneur, but now, um, you know, I started as, as a writer. My primary goal was to, to write, but in today's world, writing is a little more complicated. The industry has been pretty disrupted. So that led me into blogging and coaching and podcasting, which I'm just really grateful for because I enjoy all of them. So um, I think of myself as somebody who is deeply organized around and and passionate about authenticity and has built um, all these different mechanisms to speak about it, Uh, you know, whether it be through patients or through a podcast or or through writing. So that's really interesting. You, um, if I'm understanding correctly, you set out to 
to be a writer. You, you realized this was something you loved. Uh, you, you wanted to break down different ideas and present them in a way that uh, could be consumed easily. And in that process realized, well, r- being a writer requires all of these other things. And it just so happens you love those things as well. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I left entrepreneurship, you know, with a blank slate thinking, what am I going to do? Um, I've always loved philosophy. I was an undergrad and graduate student in philosophy. I've been studying it for 20 years. I'm, it was a, always a side passion and um, a yoga teacher. And I wanted to write and explore these ideas. Um, and then, I, you know, it's it's just not that simple anymore. And, and I, I dragged my heels at the beginning, but then, yeah, each of these steps has been you know, one more beautiful thing to add into my life. Uh, you know, adding coaching is, is wonderful. The podcast is amazing. I didn't know what podcasts were a couple of years ago. <laughs> my assistant <laughs> was like, you need to do a podcast. I'm like, what's a podcast? Uh, and yeah, it's just been developing it. So what I did instead was I really defined myself a step back, which is I love the intersection of philosophy and spirituality, and how to bring that forward in different ways. And if I can do that using design and technology, all the better. But, you know, whatever, whatever mechanism is a little interchangeable for me, as long as that's what I'm focused on. So you're kind of like a um, medium agnostic writer and a medium agnostic <laughs> communicator. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. In fact, I think I secretively love all the variety. Um, I'm not sure I'm somebody who could just really focus on one thing and go deep. I like having the variety. Yeah, that sounds uh, very similar to me. Um, so you, you touched on this topic of you know really loving philosophy for what seems like a, a, a while now. Uh, one of the things I've noticed with this show, uh, so when I originally set out, the goal was to uh, help people find practical ways to improve their life and, and take the question of personal development and sort of refocus it on the day-to-day decisions that you make. Um, what I've noticed in the last 18 months of creating this show is that so much of that comes down to sort of your personal philosophy around different areas. So how you think about the world ends up driving that behavior. Have, have you seen that to be a, a, a truth or am I making nonsense up? <laughs> no, you're definitely not making nonsense up. In fact, um, philosophy sadly is thought of as, you know, this strange esoteric thing, you know, a tree falls in the forest, doesn't make a sound, who really cares? Why are we talking about this? But the reality of <laughs> philosophy is like, you don't have gotten it all my life. Like, why do you like this? It's, it's abstract and it's, in, it's intangible. It's not applicable what's the value in the quote real world but that's what philosophy is it's really thinking about if this is the world we live in um how do we make sense of it from the from the like broadest level so you know a carpenter is trying to make sense of how to make something and philosophy is trying to make sense of the world that we live in and your own personal view of the world we live in can very much affect um your experience because all of us are narrating all day long about what we perceive. We have, we have our senses. We're bringing information in. We have this big brain that is amazing and, and analyzes things. Um, but how we go about that and the, the biases and the uh, education, the experiences and all of that, um, it, it changes the way we narrate day to day on our 
experiences and that changes the quality of your life. Um, if you get to be a very good narrator about every moment and you lean heavily into things like compassion and love and uh, gratitude and those those topics, you'll feel better. And if your narrations focus more on, you know, self low self worth or, or or resentments or judgments, you you know you won't. And so, I think it's so so deeply important. And um, you know, a lot of us don't feel that happy or we feel uh, unfulfilled, but we don't know why. And I I think it's this question of having that personal philosophy and being able to. Um, you know, understand the way that you perceive the world and how it is actually flexible and to make it work for you. So uh, I agree with, I, I agree with you so much on this, um, but just to help sell the point even more to, to listeners, because I really do think that the more you can embrace, uh, not just the pursuit of personal development, but the pursuit of improvement in your thoughts, uh, the, the better off you'll be. Do you have any examples or a story or, or any personal experience where that pursuit of improvement of, of thought has directly impacted your life? Oh my God, it's kind of the, you know, what day is not an example, really, because I think our minds can really only focus on a handful of things. They say seven um, things at a time, <laughs> whatever the number is, but it has been studied to be seven. It's something called Miller's Law. But um, if if we really only could focus on a handful of things at a time, a lot of what we choose to focus on is an unconscious decision. Um, right now I'm speaking to you. I'm not... Uh, mindful of the next word that's going to come out of my mouth, it's happening automatically. And so noticing if you are in a situation that uh, is repetitive, say you find yourself feeling resentful often, what is it that you're telling yourself on a regular basis? Um, If you find yourself in judgment, uh, what is happening? So a specific story, um, you know, I told myself I can't write a book because I don't have a PhD. That was the the bane of my existence. I kept saying I can't write this book. I don't have a PhD. I don't have a PhD. Who writes books without a PhD? For me, because I grew up by University of Chicago, that seemed like it made a lot of sense. But I wasn't even conscious of it. I pulled that thought into my conscious mind. I really thought about it, and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't even read books by people only with PhDs. I think I actually rarely read a book, you know, by somebody who wrote, who has a PhD. That doesn't actually matter to me. I don't take the book more or less seriously because of that fact. Where did this come from? Is this really real? Is this how I really feel? The answer was definitely not. And then I could move forward. Um, so I wouldn't have written that book had I not gotten myself around that thought because that thought was completely derailing me and making me feel... Um, uh, disempowered to to move forward. So, you know, I have client after client after client. A, a one woman came up to me and said, I live in the most judgmental building in all of Chicago. I was like, wow, what are the odds? I mean, do you think that's true? Like, you, you really live in the most judgmental <laughs> building? Like, how do you even measure judgment? That would mean that you had a mechanism to go through all of Chicago, the third largest city in America, measure each building and you've decided this is definitely the one right like so we just, I just say, want to say that stuff. would be an amazing study for somebody to do that would <laughs> right? be fantastic right so it's um it's amazing how we say these things that are are just 
preposterous and, and we take them to be so true. And in our heads, it feels so real. But when you pull them forward, you call them out, you know, um, uh, you really challenge yourself. Is this a true belief system? Why am I saying this? Is there another way to look at it? Um, it, it influences your, your actions and can change your life. So one last question on this, and then I actually want to jump uh, back into the past a bit. But um, what are, for, for those of us listening who are sold, you know, we, we want to start sort of auditing our thoughts and, and paying attention to how we, we narrate our moments in our life and, and uh, even just embracing schools of, of thought that are outside of maybe what we would naturally do. How do we go about starting that? We will jump into Laura's response to this question in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor. Support for this episode comes from SaneBox. SaneBox is the cure to a flooded email inbox. And let's be honest, that's a problem we all suffer from. I know you. You're a fan of personal development and trying to improve your life. I also know that as a result of this, you get a ton of newsletters and email blasts, not to mention any networking or other outgoing email you might be doing. I get it because, frankly, I have the same issue. I can take the time to get to inbox zero, but most of it is garbage and, frankly, it's just a waste of my time. That's where SaneBox comes in. When I hook up my email to SaneBox, they use algorithms and robots and all kinds of other fancy stuff to figure out what's important and what's garbage. They then make sure I only see the stuff that's important by moving the garbage over to a new folder called Sane Later. And not to worry, sometimes the robots don't know what you would consider important and not important. And that's why the team created a nifty drag and drop feature. So if the bot goes through and there's still some unimportant stuff, you can just drop it into the same later folder. From that point on, the bot will learn and the mistake won't be repeated. Cool, right? Head over to www.sanebox.com slash tiny leaps to get a free trial, plus $20 towards your membership. Honestly, just give it a shot. Having a cleaner inbox is an important step to being more productive, which I know is something you value. So head over to www.sanebox.com slash tiny leaps to get a free trial and $20 towards your membership. All right, back to the episode. Laura was just about to tell us how it is that we can go about auditing our emotional state. Let's jump in. Yeah, I mean, you know, the self-help books are amazing. You know, I always turn to the four agreements as one of my absolute favorites. Um, I enacted each of those agreements in my life. If you're not familiar with them, uh, it's just crazy. Like try not making assumptions for an entire week. See how that changes your life. It's, it's unbelievable. You will notice within an hour, it's like I make 600 assumptions before I even, you know, <laughs> got into my car. But if you're having a conflict with somebody, how many assumptions? Assumptions are you making, right? Assuming what they're thinking, assuming what they're feeling. Uh, the barista at the Starbucks down the block is is uh, in a bad mood. Oh, it's about me. Are you assuming it's about you? Do you know it's about you? Um, so sometimes I take self-help books and I just, I, I make myself a guinea pig and I, I put them into practice. But I also think um, getting a coach here is 
really one of the most important things. It's so, I have a coach. Um, that's when it really changed my life. Uh, it's really hard to hear yourself objectively. So at least to get somebody to help you learn how you're speaking to yourself so that you can have that information to keep working on it. Um, but it's, I, I don't know about you. I, if I have a plate of, um, barbecued wings in front of me, I can't stop myself. It's like my weak point in the world. I'm not a sugar person. I'm not a chocolate person. Um, but most of us can say, Hey, you know, my, my diet falls apart around chocolate or, um, you know, I love apple pie or I just can't help myself with savory, but we don't know the thoughts that get in our way. Um, so there's those things. I also created a scale out of frustration because there really isn't much to help pinpoint what area you fall into. Um, you can go to my website. It's free. Jump on. I took the top, I think, 30 concepts that I found when I was writing my book um, in the philosophy that you know I felt were the, the um, issues that people faced when, when confronting their internal dialogue. So that's an option, too. And that's at uh, lauraco.com, correct? Yeah. If you just scroll a, a tiny bit down the page, you'll see it right there. It's a little scale and it, you know, asks you through quotes and questions, w- w- you know, how do you rate yourself on judgment or, you know, curiosity or gratitude and all these different things so you can figure out where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, something to, to get the process started. Solid. Um, okay. So let's, let's take a step back. Uh, you said that in a a previous life you would have easily considered yourself or identified yourself as an entrepreneur. Um, could you tell me a little bit about, uh, just the beginnings of Litholink and, and just take us briefly through the excitement of seeing this, this company grow and, and helping people, the 350,000 people, like that's, that's an insane number to me. So I, I really want you to just dig in here. Like, what did that look like? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is where I really like to be honest for all, all the entrepreneurs out there who are, who are working and so many people put out, you know, the highlight reel and, and you feel kind of bad. Maybe you're doing something wrong. Um, so I'm, I'm always the one that likes to tell you the truth. It's a hot mess is what it will look like. Um, my... <laughs> My brother and I did it together. He, he was 26. I was 24. Um, I had a philosophy undergrad and graduate degree, which was of zero help. Um, my father had figured out, once you have kidney stones, how to cure them. And he had become the world's expert, right? So that's great. We've got this intellectual leader. We've got this incredible product he'd worked on his whole life. Um, we had a, a little money from his 401k. And the two of us alone. My dad came down once a week just to consult us on intellectual property. We would just wing it every day. I mean, we would look at each other and be like, what do you think we should do? I don't know. We don't have any money. What are we, gonna do? what are we going to do without any money? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, we would just spin our wheels. We didn't have an internet. Yeah. There was no internet. So you couldn't research. Um, this was 90, 90, um, 96. So we couldn't just look at 10 competitors. Uh, so we just, you know, a lot of times try things, see what happened, uh, try something else. Um, but we had inherited this concept from my dad. The database would crash every single day. Um, we would ask our clients to buy a computer and we would upload data and download data to them before the internet, right on modems. 
everything was crashing, oh everything was falling apart, um, clients were not happy. So it was um, it was a big learning curve, and I had never had a class in technology. All of a sudden, I was managing you know computers at our office and at our client sites. <laughs> I was like the Dell help support. Um, so it was it was just a hot mess. Like we were figuring so out. Is it as safe we were to going. say that um, that that you guys were by no means experts in the business side of starting a business? Oh my God. I mean, it's like comical to put the word expert next to me. It was just, I think, you know, (laughs) you're the, if you're an entrepreneur, you're the person who rolls your sleeves up, um, you know, is ready to like dive in. We had bought a, um, a parts, but not service agreement for a computer. Um, so the motherboard of our computer died, which is the, the part at the bottom, everything plugs into, I don't know a thing about computers, but I was willing to take the computer, take it all apart. I had a little piece of paper and I was like, squiggly thing plugs into that weird thing in the corner. And I <laughs> like made myself a picture. <laughs> so entrepreneurs are doers. They're like fearless. They jump in, you, you know, you just put on a hundred hats and you just make it work or, or you don't, um, unless you're a venture backed business that just brings in experts at the beginning. So that was the beginning for us. And, you know, I got to, I got to learn everything. I, I did the books for five years. I, um, was like monkey see monkey do with what the accountants told us and, uh, dealt with clients and doctors. And we learned about the healthcare space and over time, um, we started to get it and we had more money. Um, the product was good, right? The product was really good. So we had something people wanted and they were ready to buy it. And no matter how much the rest of it was lacking, I think when you have something that's high quality, um, that matters a lot. And and that is something that concerns me about the internet. I think there's more uh, visual, you know, pretty websites and things, but they don't necessarily have a great product. So I do urge people, you know, get mm. something really good uh because that matters people will put up with quite a bit you know apple iphones at the beginning were terrible but it was beautiful it was a good product um so so how do you just really quickly i want to dive into that um how do you make a good product like how do you know that this is a good thing that i'm building yeah that's a a great question i mean two options there i mean you know, in our case, we had a tried and true, tested, proven, you know, person who was a leader in the industry who was willing to give us the intellectual property and let us commercialize it and take it out to the public. Um, and, and, and so we did that. Um, I think if you're building something from the ground up, you know, sales are the answer. You can ask a bunch of experts, you can talk to mentors, but when somebody takes a dollar out of their pocket and they're ready to pay you for it, um, and they're coming back, right? There's the two qualities because, you know, you can sell people and, and it's really some kind of like scheme or it's a little, it's a little bit, um, flat or you're not really offering them anything and it's a, it's a good marketing pitch. But if your clients buy it and come back and they are happy and there's testimonials pouring in the door, you know, it speaks for itself. I mean, our our product uh, was something needed and people were really ready to pay actual dollars for it. And they were really, really, really happy to have this in their life. And they were repeat customers coming back. And, you know, in our case, it was healthcare. So they're coming back because they really didn't want to have this illness come back. 
But I think, you know, if you think about an old fashioned storefront, you just cookies or, you know, pizza, um, get people in the door and get them coming back and get that loyalty. Um, it's not, it's not overly complicated. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really important point. Um, nowadays I, I think like it's, it's so incredibly easy to set up a business and, and offer a service or build a product. Like you can build a SaaS product in about a week with a bunch of different software piecing it together. Um, so I, I do think that that focus on product is incredibly important in, in getting it to a good uh, quality place. But I love that. I love what you just said about, you know, you validate it through sales. Um, I, and, and the reason I wanted to dive in further is when somebody says, you know, focus on creating a good product. My fear is that somebody goes into the lab and spends the next seven years trying to create their iPhone, um, but they're never talking to anybody. They're never seeing whether or not this is actually a good product. They're just sort of trying to validate it in their own heads. Um, so I love that that you put sales as sort of the validation of that. Like if somebody will take a dollar out of their pocket and give it to you for this thing, and then tell other people about it and come back to you for another, like that's how you know you have something. Yep. Yep. And, and I, I appreciate you saying that, um, that clarification because right. It's, it's, it's from that point, it's, it's constant, constant, constant pivot, iterate, 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 pivot, pivot, iterate, iterate. And you just keep going. Right. And you just make it better and better and better, sell more and more of it. Um, and you know, that's sort of the the fun of it is getting it to its absolute penultimate highest quality and right getting to the most people but at the very beginning i think there's a problem right now where people are slapping up websites um we had this in you know the dot com bubble as well you can get some fancy concept going and then it's like a lot of sales and everything's out the the window. It depends on what your goals are. I mean, if you just want to make some money real quick and be gone, that's an option. But if you want something sustainable, that's helpful and it's around, you know, I'm really proud to say I left eight years ago and we do about 5 million patients a year now on the same systems that I built back then. So, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. That's it for this installment of my interview with Laura Co. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. You do not want to miss the second half of this interview. I guarantee it is going to be amazing. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Reach out to Laura and let her know your thoughts on this interview so far. And remember, tune in tomorrow to hear the second half of my amazing interview with Laura Co. Thanks for listening. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. Every day.